Hi, I'm Lo. And I'm Aiden. And this is I Read the News Today. Oh, boy. We are not journalists. Pundits. Or feline body inspectors. But we do read the news. And we are here to talk about the shit that's going on. It is August 21st, 2019. So, Aiden, who is that third voice in that intro? David. Oh. Oh, hi, David. Oh, hello. Oh, wonderful to have you here. Lovely to be here. Would you like to introduce yourself? I feel like that's your job. Ah, this is David. Hello. Say hello, everybody. Uh, David is... Uh, you're, you're, you're pointing to him as though this is not an auditory medium. Pointing is for my own benefit. Ah. Just so I remember that he's that, that one and it, not that one. It's just so nice to be here in the studio. In the studio, yes. Apartment. Studio apartment. Oh, it is, in fact. Good. You're yeah. right. You got yeah. it. Well, I've been your biggest fan for some time. Yes. You are the first person to send an email to the Newso Boy Mentioned Gmail in episode account. three. And the only... Only, only human being to send an email to that account. I, we have a lot of bots that are sending us New York an Times articles. An unfathomable number of New York Times articles. A lot of, they, they do a lot of work. Well, I've sent you several evil at yeah. least two. At least two, I Just believe. to be able, because you're not, I want to make sure that you're covering the important subjects and the important topics here. Would you like to name a couple of the topics that you have sent us? You know, it's been quite some time. Do you have them? <laughs> <laughs> UK reactions to the far right, porn and politics, infrastructure and healthcare, State-assisted suicide and early childhood development. Very, very important topics. I believe the state-assisted suicide and early childhood development is something about, I think, a zoo uh, having to curb their flamingo population. We'll get to zoos uh, curbing their flamingo population later in the episode. <laughs> Will we? <laughs> anyway. I would we... like to note real quick uh, that Lowell most likely has just edited out a truly foul joke on Aiden's behalf. Yes. As I usually do on most episodes. This is the only time that... Th th recording this is the only time I've ever been legitimately offended in my life. Was that our last episode? It might have been. Yeah, I think so. It's hard to remember what our last episode is at this point. Yeah. So we tried to record an episode with David, and we had significant computer issues, and therefore we are now recording... Uh, another episode. So this one it will be exciting. This is our first released episode with a guest. So thank you for coming on. Excited to be here and to get into the issues at hand. Yes. And I think we've stalled long enough. We have. So <laughs> speaking of those issues, Aiden, what is our main topic for today? Would you say it's just conspiracy theories? It was inspired by the glut of conspiracy theories after Jeffrey Epstein's suicide. And Alleged. the fact, confirmed suicide, uh, and the fact that a lot of people don't believe that he actually committed suicide or that something went on to uh, allow him to commit suicide that is against general protocol, et cetera, et cetera. Hashtag Hillary. There are people who believe that anything from Donald Trump to Hillary Clinton were directly involved. In his I would argue any one. I would agree with your arguments, and yet I would also ask why we needed to have an argument. We wanted to look more at the broad concept of conspiracy theories and how they are a potential danger to our society. Yeah, and that's not exactly our words. That's kind of the FBI's words. Exactly. Literally the FBI's words. Yeah. So, do we want to define our terms? Please. We're going to start the off... FBI is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Okay, but I define federal. Um, other pertaining to federalism. You can't define something when the first actual noun in the definition is the word that you are actually trying to define. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> let's get to the facts here. Yeah. So let's start off with Jeffrey Epstein. Who is he and what has happened with him? A lot of, I think a lot of the articles we looked at described him as an alleged billionaire. Yes, because um, there is question as to how much his... He is a wealthy work. financier. Yes. And accused sex trafficker, I guess, would be the simplest way to say it. Yep. As well as abuser and among many other things. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Recent corpse? Yeah, so he... Current corpse. He he killed himself while... Allegedly. He killed himself while in prison and awaiting trial. Mm -hmm. And a large part of why that is significant is because he had very close connections with a lot of very influential people. Yeah. And so, so among them, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Prince Andrew of uh, the United Kingdom. And so there is a lot of speculation that he had potentially could have dirt on all of these very influential people. And because we've all watched so many movies at this point and other factors, we think if people have influence, they can influence anything. They can get rid of him. Mm -hmm. And so I will say, I do believe that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. Yes, it is. 
extraordinarily suspicious. <laughs> I, I don't disagree that it is suspicious. What is suspicious to me more than anything is the fact that he would be allowed to kill himself, that he would have enough. Mm -hmm. the, the factors that lined up within the prison where he was being held to allow for him to kill himself. Exactly. And that it would happen so quickly after he was taken off suicide watch, which yeah. normally is uh, supposed to be longer than yeah. the morning. And it was the night was after a bunch of documents were released, which was the first news I had heard connecting him to Prince Andrew of and the United Kingdom. Here's the thing. This line of thinking is exactly how these conspiracy theories spin out. You, you start adding up different small portions of things that don't really, don't really make sense, and then you start trying to fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. And so what we're going to be talking about more generally is conspiracy theories, how they not only spread, but also how they are potentially dangerous. So what did you guys want to talk about in terms of the types of conspiracy theories that can be dangerous? Well, I think real quick, just to get back to definitions, just because sure. I found this definition particularly interesting, what is a conspiracy theory? Yeah. Uh, it was a really fantastic interview uh, between uh, Sean Illing and Nancy Rosenblum. Nancy is a uh, author and researcher and recently put out a book on conspiracy theories called uh, uh, A Lot of People Are Saying, which is just about the spread of information and misinformation. And so just in the course of this interview, she gives a definition for what a conspiracy is. And I have found it right here. So for Nancy, a conspiracy theory is an explanation of an event, an event that seems otherwise unintelligible or improbable. The explanation is that underneath what seems unintelligible is actually some sort of conspiracy or secret plot. Sometimes conspiracy theories are true, and sometimes they're false. It's often hard to tell the difference, but in all cases, it's an attempt at some reasoned explanation for a complicated event. And I think that's sort of the key thing here, too. Which reasoned is, explanation for complicated events? Right. Okay, yeah, I like mm -hmm. that a lot. And I think that kind of delves, you know, puts its finger deep into the psyche of, of why they're so interesting to people and why even, why we, why it's such a salient subject, because... Mm -hmm. So there's so much going on. We're constantly inundated, especially nowadays with the internet and with social media and all these things. We're so inundated with information and with little points of data. We as people can't help but draw connections and create shapes and patterns. So of course, it's when we're presented with these field of dots, we can't help but try to connect them. And it seems like a very natural thing for it to just sort of grow out of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that actually makes me want to give it an example. And and actually, let's start with a fairly innocuous example of a conspiracy theory. You guys both know, I, I'm sure, about the Paul is dead conspiracy theory. Innocuous uh, is maybe not the way yeah, I describe that. I, I know that. <laughs> predominantly through you. <laughs> I would say innocuous because I don't see who it harms. But the conspiracy theory is born out of a lot of different factors that people believe that Paul McCartney died in a motorcycle accident in the 1960s, which this motorcycle accident actually happened. But the, the belief is that he, it wasn't a, a harmless motorcycle accident, but Paul McCartney actually died at the height of the Beatles' prominence and was replaced by a person who had recently won a lookalike contest named William Campbell. This conspiracy theory has grown with the both tracks on the uh, on Beatles albums, including Strawberry Fields Forever, which ends with something that sounds like Paul is dead. No, it's it's so the Strawberry Fields Forever sound. The thing at the end is I buried Paul. Oh, right. Yes. Which I buried claimed is his cranberry sauce, sauce. Yeah. which listen to listen it. You to can it. listen to it for yourself. He is plainly <laughs> saying I buried Paul. Yes. There's also the fact that on Abbey Road's cover, people have drawn symbolism from that cover to say, Paul isn't wearing shoes. He's also looks to be holding something. People think that it is a coffin nail. And it and they've they've said, oh, uh, George Harrison is dressed as a gravedigger. Uh, John Lennon is dressed as, as a uh, as a priest. And I don't remember what they think Ringo is supposed to look like. But they've drawn a bunch of these different things to create this idea that this one event happened. Well, and I think with the Abbey Road cover, that's sort of the Beatles kind of playing into it. Well, that there are people who believe that that it had gotten to them by then. 
But in fact, Paul McCartney has has addressed this recently, saying it was really hot out that day and I was wearing boots, so I took them off. Well, surely if you were a body double, you'd find a convenient explanation for that as well. Exactly. And that's how people... You didn't attribute that quote correctly because it was actually William Campbell who said it. Ah, yes. Potentially William Campbell who said it. But I find that interesting, too, because I think the the 1960s and 1970s were also a time rife with conspiracy theories and these weird fringe ideas. And not only were some of these theories kind of proven right, also occasionally you'd have people actively playing into them. Uh, I think to stick with music, uh, the whole conspiracy about backmasking is absolutely another one of those things where there are hidden messages, hidden audio messages recorded backwards, yes. recorded under the sounds in audio recordings. It was people constantly were on the hunt for in the 60s, 70s, and well mm-hmm. into the 80s, uh, to the point where musicians would start including backmask messages yeah. to feed into that. Do you, do you have an example of one of those? Not off the top of my head, but I know for sure you do. Well, yeah, so I was, I was trying to get you to, um, there's a Weird Al song, oh, um, Nature Trail to Hell. Uh, where there's a message if you play it backwards and it's Satan eats cheese whiz. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. But then again, here's another uh, another thing that we were discovering around the same time, like the fossil fuel industry, where you would fund think tanks to cover up information about environmental science that the production of these fossil fuels uh, was harming the environment. Yeah. And that was basically a thought experiment and was decried as a conspiracy theory. But in the end, it did, in fact, actually turn out to be the case. And I think that's something that we kind of can't forget as we continue to have this discussion, which is that there are constantly times and places we can point to and say, well, sometimes these crazy explanations do, in fact, bear out. And if you look at, for example, the Watergate scandal, uh, that is a perfect example of something that if it hadn't been exposed at the time that it was, people would probably never have actually known because they would have been, if time went on, it would have been harder and harder to prove that it happened. And people would be skeptical of it to this day if we didn't get the information we did when we did. And it's also been, it's been just in the fabric of American society for a long time. It's what sort of a lot of the muckrakers were trying to do turn of the 1900s, covering up and unveiling what the, uh, what it was that the, both political and industrial titan bosses were doing to uh, people's living conditions for their working conditions uh, to the environment, to the food uh, and water and sewage systems that that made people's lives function. And a lot of the wonderful progressive benefits that were fought for in that turn of the the 19th century were as a result of people doing these deep dives, doing investigative journalism, going in, finding out and uncovering these truths, and then fighting politically uh, to... Uh, get themselves and get these ideas out into the wider public conscience. And I actually related, somewhat related, uh, there's an article from 1964 called The Paranoid Style in American Politics by Richard Hofstadter. This article was published in Harper's Magazine. It is often cited as the first real article about conspiracy theories. And, and trying to look at how conspiracy theories are a trend. He quotes back in from 1895, uh, a manifesto signed by a number of leaders of the Populist Party saying, as early as 1865 to 1866, a conspiracy was entered into between the gold gamblers of Europe and America. For nearly 30 years, these conspirators have kept the people quarreling over less important matters while they have pursued with unrelenting zeal, their one central purpose. Every device of treachery, every resource of statecraft, and every artifice known to the secret cabals of the international gold ring are being used to deal a blow to the prosperity of the people and the financial and commercial independence of the country. So even back in 1895, leaders in, our, in, in governments were, were trying to tell the population that there were these gigantic conspiracies that are sub-governmental hidden forces that are trying to control the world. Uh, this article also talks about how how masonry was started to be, the Masonic yeah, uh, temple. Yeah, mm-hmm. anti-masonry. Yeah, started to be become a... And I think the Know big, Nothing Party was a big... So you could argue they were a conspiracy theory kind of party. That's yeah. a deep pull. The Know Nothing Party? Yeah, when's the last time we talked about that? I mean, I feel like I talk about it constantly. Yeah, I feel like he talks about it constantly. 
<laughs> it was a club that you had when you were when you were asked about it. You had to say, like, I, "I know, know nothing. nothing." I know that. Yeah, the concept of these secret conspiratorial entities that are controlling the world from beneath the surface has been around for hundreds of years now. Um, it's not a it's not a new concept, but. Let's start talking a little bit about how that these conspiracies are affecting modern times. So just kind of jumping off of that before we really kind of move on, I'd like to throw this thing out there, which okay. might get cut, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I put the Wikipedia page for The Realist in our show notes, so if you could click on that. Realist was a pioneering magazine of social, political, religious criticism and satire. Yes. So it was edited by Paul Krasner, um, who was a countercultural kind of icon, author, journalist. He actually recently, he just died um, in July. But what I want you to look at is the parts that were left out of the Kennedy book. So uh, this is the like big, the, like the most famous thing the realist did mm. was Paul Krasner wrote a short story called The Parts That Were Left Out of the Kennedy Book that features um, the aftermath of the Kennedy assassination. And the climactic moment of it is Lyndon Johnson. How to put this delicately. <laughs> There's no delicate way to say that he was... Sexually penetrating the bullet hole wound in the throat of JFK's corpse. Jesus I, Christ. I like it. I don't know how else I can... <laughs> I don't know how I can continue to address this because but, this is troubling. But anyway, the, the reason I bring this up is because this is something... Oh, good. That, you have a reason. This is something that people <laughs> would go on to believe happened. Yeah. Not just, like, not just, like, any, like, lay citizens of the American Republic, but Daniel Ellsberg, who released the Pentagon Papers, believed that this actually happened. Wow. Like, this was not intended as a serious yeah. piece of news, but it ended up being something that people believed occurred. Okay, so let's let's move on to today. We, we talked briefly about the fact that the FBI has said that conspiracy theories are a threat to mm -hmm. U.S. society. The FBI, they, they released an intelligence bulletin May 30th of this year talking about some of the times that political conspiracy theories very likely motivated domestic extremists to commit criminal, sometimes violent activity. So in the report themselves, they actually give five specific yeah. examples yep. of the of the types of conspiracies that they are particularly concerned about. Oh, I have to uh, be looking at the report. They itself. Uh, they mention uh, they mention Pizzagate, of course. Uh, they mention another conspiracy involving child sex trafficking uh, and involving uh, basically a lot of the stuff that the QAnon yeah. were coming up. The very first bullet point. I'll summarize the QAnons. I like Q Daddy. Ooh, Q Daddy. Yes, the Q Daddy. The Q Daddy conspiracies as being people in various parts of the internet believe that there is a single government official who is working against the deep state to release certain things. Deep state is another conspiracy that we're not going to get into because that is a subheader for types of conspiracies. I think that deep state is its own full type of conspiracy and that'll take us too long. I mean, if you had a cork board of conspiracy theories, <laughs> all of the all of the red twine would lead directly back to deep state. Yeah, exactly. Also, they cover, of course, the Sandy Hook school shootings. There have been domestic terror acts that have been fueled in a lot of ways by conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. So the FBI has said that the presence and the proliferation of conspiracy theories is a threat to the American public because those who believe in these conspiracy theories often believe in them to such an extent that they will take violent action, especially the political ones. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk a bit about some of these conspiracy theories, and maybe some of the weirder ones. All right, cool. Uh, start bringing us to some more recent conspiracy yes, theories. Yes, please. Why don't you all... Uh, well, do we want to go with a more recent one, or do we want to go with the oldest one? What would you say is the oldest conspiracy The oldest theory? one I could find was the Nero Redivivus legend. Go on. Which was a conspiracy theory in ancient Rome, uh, following the death of Emperor Nero, Ugh. that believed that he was imminently going to return to life. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go for them? He hasn't yet. <laughs> well, speaking of... So it's been almost 2,000 years and we have no more Nero. Well, but also speaking to returning to life, I'd like to direct you to the conspiracy link that I have highlighted for you guys. Okay. Which is the one in okay. red. I don't know if you've heard anything about this, but this is apparently a something of a thing from earlier this year. Oh. 
Um, oh, okay. The title of this article, which is from the Chicago uh, Tribune, reads, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was seen in public alive and well. Conspiracy theorists still insist she's dead. Basically, the gist of this is that after Ruth Bader Ginsburg went in for some surgery back at the beginning of the year, she was very much out of the public eye. Yep. Uh, just as all the other Supreme Court justices were yeah, out of the public she eye. Is almost constantly. Well, right, especially because the Supreme Court was not at the time in session. And she was resting and recovering, but the fact that she wasn't around led many, not many, I suppose, it's quite the wrong way to say it, <laughs> but a, uh, a vocal group of people to insist on the fact that uh, just as Paul McCartney was replaced by, what was his name again? William Campbell. William Campbell, the Democrats Billy too. Cams. The Democrats found a body double of Ruth Bader Ginsburg to prop up onto the bench so that President Trump could not reassign her Supreme Court seat. I feel like that could be easily disproven by, like, we probably have urine some... samples? Are you under the impression that we have a cache of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, urine? I am not yet willing to say that that is not yet true. Oh, it is in the Constitution that once you're sworn in as a Supreme Court justice, you have to urinate for, uh, you have to leave a gallon of urine on the steps of the Supreme Court building for well, Saturday. I, if it weren't, even if it weren't in the Constitution, it would still be tradition. Yeah. Yeah. But it's in the Constitution. It's one of those implied, it's implied that yeah, exactly. every Supreme Court justice is supposed to <laughs> urinate in an empty gallon jug of milk. Yeah. I will say this uh, whole rumor did spark a really wonderful hashtag, uh, which would be hashtag RBG where you be. <laughs> Jesus. I just rather like how that rolls off the tongue. I thought that's a pretty good little, uh, uh, nice little piece of writing right there. Because hashtag RBG proof of life doesn't quite <laughs> quite so easily off the tongue. But this did, Fox, again, get did, some out she, she did respond to this, didn't she? Yes, she did. Yeah. She put out several statements and or, or was the interviewed. New, the new Ruth Bader Ginsburg did. Yes, that's true. But you're right. I imagine you're looking at the paragraphs yes. that I find particularly interesting. Fox and Friends aired a graphic that briefly said she had died, though it quickly apologized and said it was a mistake. James Woods, an actor who was a mainstay of the conspiracy-laden parts of the pro-Trump internet, helped to get the hashtag, where's, where's Ruth? Trending on Twitter. Okay, great. Which is, I suppose, <laughs> look, he can choose to believe and disseminate whatever information he has as a private citizen. Exactly right. The one I find a little more troubling is that further down in that paragraph, they mentioned that Seb Gorka, who uh, was a... You know, a you're on a nickname basis with yeah. Sebastian Gorka? Yeah, wow. I feel like he goes by Seb. You see that on his... Um, Sebby. Right. Anyways, he also uh, disseminated a, uh, a a petition, on an online petition, to... Uh, uh, get Ruth Bader Ginsburg to reveal herself. Yeah, and so those who don't know who Sebastian Gorka is and aren't on a uh, on a nickname basis, Sebastian Gorka is a former advisor of President Trump, among among other things. <laughs> right, <laughs> among other things, he may in fact be two children wearing a trench coat. We don't know. <laughs> so well, he's not just an advisor; he is also he is a military intelligence advisor. Let's talk about some more conspiracy uh, theories. Theories? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's go talk about more of those. What other ones have we got? Well, there's the new Coke one. Yeah, tell me about that, because I actually heard about, I, I heard someone say this with all seriousness the day before we started researching conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah? Yeah, someone, someone came up to me and told me that New Coke was a ploy by Coca-Cola to then have New Coke fail, and then over time they would just change the original Coke into New Coke. And I then said to myself, why what? is this crazy person coming up and telling this to me on the street? Who are you? Why do you have a sign? Yeah, was it someone you knew? I think I met that person that day, but like I, I think I was working with them for the day and they told me this. David Icke just sort of stopped by your office and dropped some knowledge nice on you? Nice pull on David Icke. I don't know who David Icke is. He's the... Uh, much about <laughs> 90s British football? No. He is a, uh, I, I believe, was he Was he a player or just a sportscaster? I think he was a player. Uh, a player, then sportscaster, current conspiracy theorist alleging that uh, the uh, uh, reptile, uh, the reptile people, oh, okay. shape-shifting reptile aliens live below the surface of the earth and control political events. He's been watching too much Doctor Who. It's entirely possible. I can't <laughs> imagine he does very much. He is British. Day. He is British. Yeah. So we, we're on New Coke? Yeah, tell me more about New Coke. So New Coke was a reformulation of traditional Coca-Cola that was not well-received. So after the poor reception of New Coke, Coke, the company, announced that it was going back to the old formula. And there's the conspiracy theory that they introduced... Um, actual cocaine. <laughs> well, that's actually... 
Yeah, we know that. Factual. Uh, there's the conspiracy theory that they introduce new Coke to improve sales of, well, like, intentionally to make it fail. Yeah, so so they tanked new Coke so that, as a publicity stunt, to get more sales for regular Coke. Yeah. Which, I, to be honest, that part of it doesn't sound that far-fetched. I don't think it's insane. They had to do an awful lot. They were fighting against the Pepsi generation. And the reason why why they claimed to release new Coke was because Pepsi has always been sweeter. There's been more sugar. And so the claim by Coca-Cola was that to to keep up with the times, they were going to make their make Coke sweeter. There are people who believe that they made it sweet sweeter, not so they can compete with Pepsi, but in fact, so they can boost the sales of what they had say, oh, didn't you miss our great original uh, Coke? Which that doesn't sound, that sounds plausible. It doesn't make me want to investigate the non-existent basement of a DC <laughs> pizza parlor. Yeah, which is I actually positive. would, well, I would like to investigate that basement of a DC area pizza parlor because if they have a case of that old crystal Pepsi down there collecting dust, man, would I would like to get my hands on something. Are like you that. shilling for Pepsi <laughs> now? <laughs> crystal Pepsi specifically. Did you ever I really? Um, I've never guys, had you crystal Pepsi. Did we coexist with Crystal Pepsi? No. <laughs> How have you had Crystal Pepsi? It's a just some. You know, you need a hobby and you need a passion in life. And I uh, am passionate about finding the lost bottles of Crystal Pepsi. Well, David, I was just like there are people who pursue the uh, uh, 1990s uh, area releases of Screaming Eagle, Screaming Eagle Cabernet Sauvignon, or just like people pursue bottles of wine that uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, uh, created on his estate. People pursue high-end items that uh, mean a lot to them and a lot to the culture of the world in general, and that is Crystal Pepsi. You've just placed Crystal Pepsi on the on the level with presidential wine. Have you tried Crystal Pepsi? No. Do you know if it's worthy of that? <laughs> and I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I don't think you can qualify that. David, I was worried that we weren't going to learn anything about you in this episode, and we'd all be too busy talking about the news, but I'm glad that we have a little glimpse into the life of David. Here's a conspiracy theory. I don't believe a damn word you <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other conspiracy theories for us? Yeah, let's get let's get one more. Let's get one more really good one. All of the other ones I bookmarked were pretty sad. Let's well, let's move. Mode. Like the, the, the 9-11 one, the Sandy Hook Elementary School. Uh, I mean, the Clinton body count, we kind of, we didn't really talk about, but we it's like it's related to Jeffrey Epstein. Let's talk about that one. So the Clinton quick. body count is a conspiracy theory that or that um, originates in the early 90s when Bill Clinton was running for president. And it posits that the that Bill and Hillary Clinton have arranged the deaths of numerous associates to cover up scandals. Um, notably, the, the, the most notable one would be Vince Foster who I think was a, he was a White House counsel. Um, yeah, he was a White House counsel during um, the early part of Bill Clinton's first term. He was struggling with depression and he, he committed suicide six months into Bill Clinton's first term. He's the big sort of linchpin in the idea that, like the idea being that he was about to reveal a huge scandal involving the Clintons. So they had him killed in a similar way that conspiracy theories about Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. Us, that he had some dirt yeah. on the Clintons, and therefore the Clintons had him killed. Now, which, which Donald Trump has, in very many ways, tried to fan the flames of that conspiracy theory, having said recently that Bill Clinton was on Jeffrey Epstein's plane 27 times. Don't know if he went to Jeffrey Epstein's island, but if he did, then you could learn a lot from that. Now, there's a very revealing sentence. That was a paraphrase. I apologize. <laughs> there's a very revealing sentence in the idea of the Clinton body count, which is many of the people who are listed on the body count had no known link to the Clintons, had <laughs> been misidentified, or were currently alive. Okay. So conspiracy theories, I, I think I, I want to try to sum up a bit of our thoughts on conspiracy theories before we move on. They're all true. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, they're, they're so ding-dang fun. It, they are? And at the same time, some of them, I, I can rationalize JFK assassination. The, the fact that Lee Harvey Oswald was killed very shortly after left people with a lot of questions. Similarly with, with Jeffrey Epstein, the fact that we have no answers is kind of the fuel for these, these conspiracy theories. And I'd like to just sort of bring it back to a little bit of a close back to uh, that interview with 
Nancy Rosenblum. Sure. And one of the big things, uh, one of her big takeaways from doing this research, and in fact, basically factors into the title of her book, is that especially nowadays, so much of conspiracy, so much of what she calls conspiracyism, is spread through innuendo. You'll hear people say, "I just want to know more. I'm just asking questions." Or a lot of people are spent. A lot of people are saying. She calls this conspiracy without any theory. Just to continue the quote, it's about validating pre-existing beliefs by constantly repeating false claims that reinforce what you already believe. Yeah, which is a heavy propaganda tool. And that it's something that fascist leaders like Adolf Hitler and Mao Zedong, and that is how Hitler fueled the Holocaust with this kind Actually, of innuendo. Yeah, um, to provide another example of a fascist, well, not a, no, that's a bad example. Well, it's not a fascist leader, but it's a dictator, dictator yeah. using that. Um, I forgot this. So one of the interesting things that I found about the conspiracy theories around the death of Adolf Hitler was part of it rests on quotes from Joseph Stalin. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. There's also a, another conspiracy that, that is very relevant to right now involves the Hong Kong protests. The majority of, of Chinese citizens have been led to believe that the United States is heavily involved in Hong Kong protesting. There are significant beliefs in China that foreign entities are the reason why Hong Kong is protesting, in part because the Chinese government and state media have fueled those beliefs. And so conspiracy is also a, a, a tool that fascist governments use, that dictatorial governments, totalitarian governments use. Yes. And so, in, in part, the concern of having Donald Trump and his associates repeat conspiracy theories is that that's how, how, how this manipulation works. You tell people things broadly. It's not always theories. It's more just repeating conspiracy. And that's how people start. Then let me kind of throw back this, this little anecdotal piece of Please story do. that I found from the internet uh, on Reddit specifically mm -hmm. of a, what do you call it, a pediatrician uh, who encounters uh, a lot of anti-vaxxer parents just in the area that he lives. And apparently, uh, well, that they live, I don't know the gender of this doctor. Anyways, so what they say to these parents who come in with many of these, um, especially those who really want to bring into a debate about the legitimacy of these vaccines, he says one of his most effective, they say one of their most effective tools is to tell them, well, have you ever considered the fact that potentially all this anti-vaxxer information is actually all being spread by the, by the Russians to weaken the American population? Interesting. So I think, in fact, I can almost say I know for certain that the way to fight back against conspiracy is to re-conspiracize conspiracy theories. Okay. And I posit this is the way that we can solve this problem. Go on. We've tried to solve things before. It's gone very well. I yeah, just there's think no more anti-Semitism. We yeah, we've, 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 we fixed that. We just need to create our own more compelling conspiracy fiction. theories. Exactly right. Uh, I agree with you for the purpose of the joke. <laughs> But I disagree with you for the purpose of society. That's all I've ever asked. <laughs> well, I think we've talked uh, as much about conspiracy theories and we've now solved it. So I think we can move on. Well, let's, let's take a little break and we'll come back with some... Uh, David, you brought a, a weird article? I did. I brought some news that I really think we need to get into. Well, I'm excited. Uh, we'll be back with you in just a moment. Thank you so much for listening to I Read the News today. Oh, oh boy. boy. Uh, please uh, rate, review, subscribe, do whatever else you do on iTunes or Spotify and wherever you're listening to I'll us. I'll give them free reign to do whatever they do on iTunes. You can do whatever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to judge. Uh, and you can follow us on uh, Twitter at News oh Boy, or you can send us weird and funny news articles on uh, our email, newsoboy at gmail.com, and you will be mentioned on the show if you submit a an article not only do we have our first guest on the show we have our first sponsor on the show uh so david would you like to tell us about our sponsor today's sponsor is political body doubles if you need someone to disappear <laughs> quickly and re uh but without actually causing uh uh terror in the populace uh go to uh pbd.com exactly right i would not go there no sir <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for uh, anyone from world leaders to titans of industry to... It appears to be some sort of a front for a drug cartel. Well, of course, you can't just have... <laughs> they're in the box there. 
you uh, we have both collapsible, fully inflatable, and also uh, pre-assembled world leaders uh, <laughs> uh, with lots of um, oh, uh, support, technical support, uh, industrial support, uh, black ops support. Yes, um, opt in, opt out. Definitely uh, uh, give them a shot. Yeah, give them a shot. Uh, we they, they have uh, they have the news. Oh boy, full endorsement. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you, if you want a, a discount, you can go to www.politicalbodydoubles.com. Uh, PBD. PBD.com slash news. Oh boy. Please don't. Please don't. Uh, please don't. <laughs> anyway, is this going to be like when you told us not to use the word Tabasco sauce in uh, our TV show, our college TV show, because you thought they would sue us? Yes, it is exactly like that. <laughs> anyway, we could have been drowning in lifetime Tabasco right now. Yes. Anyway. Enjoy the rest of the show. <laughs> All right. So this week, as our special guest, David has brought us a weird article for us to consume and munch, and play with. You can say masticate on the air. Yes, okay. we will masticate this article. Yeah, you uh, already talked about presidential necrophilia. You <laughs> can't go much lower than this. Oh. So, the article that I brought in is something that uh, I've been following. It's something that I've been following, and the, this story has been unfolding, and sort of takes a few different angles and a few different turns. So, if you would follow the first link to walesonline.co.uk. Alright. It's a Welsh newspaper? No, that's neat. Why don't you go ahead and read the, the, the I title of the article? I'm Welsh. Uh, do you want to read it or should I? I don't usually get to read it. Yeah, you don't use yeah. It's got to be you. Okay, great. I'm getting so many pop-ups. But the new robo-toilets planned for Porth Call take public toilets to a whole new level. So, Porth Call is a coastal town in Britain uh, and is very well known as sort of being something of a, a party spot. Lots of bars, lots of things going on around there. Uh, lots of beaches. And apparently one of the big issues that's happening with Porth Call is the amount, sheer amount of public sex that is happening within their town limits uh-huh. on public property. <laughs> so they have been installing, uh, so they unveiled this plan about a week ago to install these new incredibly expensive uh, state-of-the-art uh, toilet stalls, which you can actually scroll down all the way to the bottom of the article and uh, see the brand new layout. Uh, so these new stall, these new toilets will be uh, entirely self-cleaning. Uh, they will be automated and scent-infused, and they'll have some other new uh, accommodations as well to deal with certain issues that this town has been having, including the fact that the self-cleaning spray nozzles are uh, going to be hooked up and connected to uh, uh, weight sensors on the floor and motion sensors uh, on the toilets themselves where if there is either too much weight, sensing too many people, or violent motion happening in the stall, the <laughs> door will spring open and water will spray in <laughs> until the offenders are ejected. Spray in from where? Uh, from, I believe, the ceiling. Okay. Okay. Yeah, right. no, I think that that, that that's, little black, that's black circle is, is the spray okay, yeah. nozzle. Could be uh, more effective if it's sprayed from the toilet. Town Councilor Mike Clark <laughs> said, as I will quote from the article, rebuilding the public to- toilets is an important element of Porthcall Town Council's ambition to ensure that Porthcall is a great place to live, work, and visit. The new facility will be good quality externally, completing the complementing the architecture of the Griffin Park Pavilion and equipped with a pay-to-use facility. So you will also have to, by the way, pay to use these toilets. Well, the council that is has, a phenomenon I've encountered before. Yeah, that's not that's not unheard of. That's well, because the only th- the only place I've seen it is Boston. While the council has not ah. yet decided on the level of user contribution is intended that they will be maintained to a high standard, so the investment now benefits Porth Call for years to come. So that's the start. Why don't you go ahead and click on the next link that oh. I provided for you? I oh. like I like a two parter. Yeah. So this is I'm I'm doing a two parter on the Wikipedia too. Oh wow. This is working out really good. So why don't you go ahead so and read us the this, is, this article, which was released just a few This is ago. the BBC News uh, article. And oh God. I, I do love when two articles have the same photo. Um, Porth Call, anti-sex toilet, plans submitted in error. Right. So basically the, tan, the town put out uh, – had to put out a public statement to address growing controversy over this plan, saying that they never actually intended to release this plan in the first place, and it was all just a big misunderstanding. Well, you see, what happened was uh, 
activists from all over the world and uh, people just started getting into these big tariffs over the fact that, well, how are you going to actually determine that, say, frantic motion in a toilet stall isn't, say, someone having a seizure mm-hmm. or a parent helping their child to use the restroom or any other number of things that that shouldn't be triggering. Well, per, these your, warning per your second example, and this is a little bit hypothetical, but how roughly are you helping your child to use the bathroom? And how heavy is your child that it's going to hey, trigger the sensors? Don't now, fat shame my baby. <laughs> but that's the thing. See, that's really kind of taken off and really like people have been really like keying onto things like that. For instance, Twitter user Leia BH mentioned Weight sensitive floors to detect more than one user? What baseline weight are they using? That's I'm, a very good point. I'm easily the weight of two teenagers. Yeah. So, as a brief side uh, corollary to the story about how many teenagers do you weigh? I mean, that's. I don't know. It's not a standard measurement. <laughs> teenagers, you know, from the age of 13 to 18, 19. I have, the, I have just begun watching the third season of Stranger Things, and, and those <laughs> teenagers have changed. Wildly in the last year and a half. Yes. The other suggestion that uh, many people have, the other main issues and part of the big reasons why they're pulling back this funding is that these new toilets were very expensive. And even though they, uh, the plan was that the toilets would be bringing in income to the town, it was one of the big issues also in Porth College is the fact that there was a large homeless population, what the British called rough sleepers. Yeah. And they uh, and accommodations for them in Porth Call are severely underfunded and they've had a lot of issues of run-ins with the police. So Porth Call has been retracting their plans for the moment to implement uh, those more high-tech anti-sex state- measures. Exactly. They're anti-sex measures in their toilets and they're looking into other options. Which they refer to in this article as, I believe, rough sleeping, which is adorably British. Well, yes. That's, so that, that's their term for uh, uh, for their homeless population. Oh, I thought rough sleeping was sex. No. No, no that's that's uh, that's being homeless. Oh, okay. Which is still very British. Which is, uh, uh, no. So I bring, this art- sex. I bring this article in both to edify you as to what the world, the globe, is talking about, and also because I feel like we can here help the poor people of Porthcall and uh, their terrible plight of having too many sex maniacs yeah. just banging it out in these public restrooms. So in other words, what else can be done to stop all of this Right, let's use this platform it. here. Let's really get into the issue and find other ways, perhaps gentler ways to eject them from the restroom or find other ways to prevent them to, from coming in there even in the first now, place. Now, here's... Here's the thing. You're saying gentler ways to eject them from the restroom, but my mind just goes to more aggressive ways. So you're talking perhaps like a sex bouncer. Yeah, like or hey, if you want to if you want to charge people to use the bathroom, charge them dub tar- charge them by the by the 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 minute and that way, you know, if you want to use it for sex, at least, you know, it's like a hotel room at that point. But see, what about the people who uh, I think part of the other thing we need to get into, too, is that's part of the illicit fear, the illicit nature of uh, of just doing it in a public bathroom stall. We need yeah. to accommodate for those people. Honestly, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah, feel free. Go ahead. But if you're going to be using the, the bathroom, hey, we don't want there to be a line. So um, got to pay for your time. Well, my thought is let's just uh, just encourage them to get away from that restroom in general. It's clear that like re- the, the quality of a restroom and the things that come along with that are not perturbing these people in the slightest. So we need other yep. things to right. disgust or deter them from mm-hmm. using those facilities. Well, I think that if the fact that it smells like shit in there isn't enough for that. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, you make them filthier? Make them filthier. I okay, think make no. them I – no, I, see, I rather think just in a different way. Uh, I think they should make these restrooms smell like an eight-year-old. Because mm. I don't. So I was. I'm when, when you said make them filthier. I'm picturing the toilet in Slumdog Millionaire. Does oh yeah. That image conjure up. Yeah, no, it does. But again, I think that's sort of wrapped in like part and parcel with like what they're doing there. I don't think that would stop them anyways. I have. I have an. A meanwhile, have you smelled an eight-year-old? Meanwhile, why have you? Good question. Go on, David. Talk, no, talk, I work. Talk your way out. This of is this. interview yeah. time. I work in a uh, very popular barbecue restaurant and oh, jazz club in David, the city. I found something on the ground. Uh huh. Yeah, it's your own horn. <laughs> Do you want to toot it? I'm tooting it right now. And what I'll say is that uh, we have we one of the ways that they use the jazz club is they bring kids in for music education during the weekdays. Yikes. It's like a field trip. Yeah. Are they, they need, delinquents being punished? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, walking up and down in between the rows of these feral children 
Oh, God. That, has, that, that term has a meaning, David. Oh, I know. <laughs> they bust the... They, they, Tarzan they, was a feral child. These kids are, I mean, just absolutely wild maniacs, and I don't know how they get the odor that they get, but let me tell you, no one could possibly stand for it. All right, all right, that's a good plan. I actually have a completely alternative plan, because I think, hey, why are we discouraging these people from having sex? Of course, you know, whatever. Have sex. But we don't want you taking up our bathroom space. So instead of redoing all the bathrooms, you should have free, like, a pavilion with just beds in it. Stop having sex in the, like, like a, a plastic bed that can just be hosed down. Perfect. You have the bathroom, and then you have the sex room. I think that we should institute this globally. So this would be a government-funded <laughs> sex, sex room. <laughs> yeah, government-funded sex room. It shouldn't be a large sex room. I call, you don't government, want to say, I call government funded sex room for my punk band. <laughs> but it's the same concept. You have a public bathroom. You have a public sex room. I have recently found through research on the Yahoo Answers service that it is indeed possible to pee in a chastity belt. Well, I would hope so. But what? <laughs> you can't very well have sex in the bathroom. Are you in If you have to wear a chastity belt to go in there. So would this be oh. a town ordinance uh, for the populace of Porthcall? Would they have to always be wearing the chastity belt? Anyone who goes into the bathroom has to put on the chastity belt. So there'd be like little like dispensers. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> chastity belt dispenser. Yes. Uh, Yahoo Answers also seems to imply that modern chastity belts, a horrifying concept, <laughs> yes. um, uh, are very hygienic. Okay. And different than the steel ones that were worn <laughs> in the Middle Ages and were prone to rust. Steel. What are modern chastity belts mean? Yeah, how does that work? I'm going to guess foam I'd say armor. plastic. And this appears yeah. to be one. Uh, Jesus. Are you like on that? Amazon? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> oh, it is, yeah. Wow. Uh, oh, and this is leather. That looks like that would chafe. It does not look like It looks oh. extremely painful. Oh, no. Oh, I'm not, I'm not happy about seeing that at all. I'm really unhappy, actually. Oh, that's that's kind of funny. What? what um, is? It's a picture of um, a person wearing plastic shoes, and it says Crocs, the modern-day chastity belt. Nice. Nice. All right. What have we proposed here? We've proposed... Uh, state, state-funded state sex dungeons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sex rooms. Public sex rooms. State-mandated uh, chastity belts. Chastity belts. And uh, yours was uh, uh, make it smell like an eight-year-old. I would call it Ode to Fourth Grade, but fine. Ode to Fourth Grade. All right. Well, I think we have three competing solutions. Uh, if Porthcall wants more possible solutions, just call we us up. the mayor's name. We could probably yeah. touch with uh, Porthcall, please contact us at newsoboy uh, at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll, we'll take all the... counselor. We'll, we'll, we'll put together a plan for you. If you have a better plan, uh, uh, why don't you tweet... Using the hashtag newsoboy, uh, using the newsoboy hashtag, got a phone or, number, got a phone number, or, okay, fine. Yeah, t- tweet us at newsoboy to tell us your, your plans for how to, how to keep people from having sex in the bathrooms. And I got call. a phone and number you- and email address for the Port Call Town Council. Great. Uh, do you want to put that, do you, do you want to put them on blast? Do we want to dox the <laughs> town council with <laughs> Anyway, we have, we, we gave you some solutions, Port Call. Please, please uh, send us a message. And if you have some more solutions, at News oh Boy, tweet them. Thank you. And so, uh, are we ready for um, our, our next segment, uh, the, the Wikipedia? We can shorten that. It can be Wiki of the Week. This week's Wiki? The Wiki of the Week? Yeah, we'll, we'll keep working W-O-T-W. Can we get WOTW? What, what, what are your thoughts on it? I like Wiki of the Week. Why don't you like Wiki of the Week? I don't know. It, it just seems like... What else do you want it to be? It, it still seems like it's in beta, you know? No! <laughs> we can get W-O-T-W. That's not really an abbreviation for anything yet. All right, let's go to the, the wiki of the week. We'll, right, we'll call so it that for now. This one is sort of a slow burn. Okay. But there's something in the middle of it that's pretty great. So what is what is it? Can, can someone tell me? Mm. Uh, David, this is all you. Uh, I believe. Let's see. The Siege of Paris, 1870 to 1871. All right, so this was a part of the Franco-Prussian War. And the Siege of Paris, uh, really getting, getting through the boring bits. Oh, wait a minute. I think I know where this is going. Oh, no, never mind. I don't. Oh, please continue. What did you, what did you look at? Oh, I'll tell you later. Okay. So um, basically, there in um, August of 1870, the uh, Prussian army began a siege of the city of Paris. Um, if you want to just kind of scroll, like, do a, do a little look through 
um, any of that background and siege information. There's not a ton of kind of interesting stuff in there. Um, Otto von Bismarck wanted to shell the city of Paris to ensure the quick surrender, but instead they did a siege. And what I find interesting is if we scroll down um, a little bit through the siege por portion, um, we get to due to a severe shortage of food. Do you guys find that? Yes. All right. Can someone uh, read the remainder of the uh, paragraph for me? Due to a severe shortage of food, Parisians were forced to slaughter whatever animals were at hand. Rats, dogs, cats, and horses were the first to be slaughtered and became regular fare on restaurant menus. Once the supply of oh, those animals no. ran low, the citizens of Paris turned on the zoo animals at the Jardin des Plantes. Even Castor and Pollux, the only pair of elephants in Paris, were slaughtered for their meat. I would love it if the both of you could click on the Wikipedia page for Castor and Pollux. Oh, is this a, did you, are you juking on us? Is this the actual wiki? Or is this just a sidebar? There's, a lot, this, of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information on the, the Siege of Paris page. Oh, that's you know what? I see exactly yes. where you want to talk about. <laughs> they were killed and eaten along with many other animals from the zoo and late... 1870 during the Siege of Paris. So That's I've been sad. keeping a list of um, Wikipedia pages to use in the future, and next to each link to a Wikipedia page, I put a small description of it, and yeah. this one was We Ate a Zoo. <laughs> Can uh -huh. I... Is, it a, is, it, is this the appropriate time for me to read them? The, the, uh, the menu, menu items? Yes. Uh, I think absolutely... Well, I, I think we want to... So, horse meat had been introduced by the butchers of Paris four years earlier as a cheap alternative source of meat for the poor, but under siege conditions, it quickly became a luxury item. Oh, if only we could eat horse. Cats, dogs, mice, and rat were the next selection for the menu. There was no control over rationing until later in the siege, so while the poor struggled, the wealthy Parisians ate comparatively well. I like and the then, idea of a city under siege still having nightlife and uh, entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a picture of the menu for... Yeah, it was... It's, um, it's, the Christmas it's very Day fancy menu. menu. Yeah. So now I think, yeah, starting at the Jockey Club. The Jockey Club offered a fine selection of gourmet dishes of the unusual meats, including in Slamet de Rats a la Robert. There were considerably fewer cats and dogs in the city than there had been horses, and, un and the unpalatable mice and rats were difficult to prepare. Yes. So by the end of the 1870s, the butchers turned their attention to the animals in the zoos. The medium and large-sized herbivores such as antelope, camels, deer, kangaroo, yaks, and zebra were first to be killed. But some survived. The monkeys were thought to be too akin to humans to be killed, and the lions and tigers were too dangerous, and hippopotamus also escaped because of the price of 80,000 francs demanded for it was beyond the reach of any of the butchers. Now I think you could read us the exotic dishes. I also think your French is probably the best of any of ours. Oh, I do not intend to read the French. Uh, uh, menu began to offer the exotic dishes such as a stuffed donkey's head, bear ribs, Cat with rats. Yikes. Haunch of wolf no. with deer sauce. No. Terrine of antelope with truffles. Yeah, kangaroo no. stew. And camel roast la anglaise. No, that's terrible. The demise of the elements was recorded in... Haunch of wolf with a deer sauce. ...was recorded in the Lect Journal de Paris and delivered along by mail, along with the mail by balloon to avoid the encircling Prussian forces. So that's another kind of cool thing about the... Um, the Siege of Paris Wikipedia page is um, they did still have mail service because they used balloons to deliver the mail. Like in and out of Paris through the siege. It's the original, uh, it's, it's the original airlift. Like hot air balloons? Or yeah, hot air balloons. Okay, so we're not talking about tie it to a string and push it in a direction. Like, <laughs> like the poor man's passenger pigeon? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they estimate that... Uh, 2.5 million letters were carried in and out of Paris. Okay. So how did they how did they protect the balloons from getting shot down? Some of them were shot down. Oh, okay. It was still the 1870s, so guns weren't great. Yeah, they weren't. But honestly, you could you could shoot a balloon down with a crossbow or a bow and arrow. Uh, Pretty and easy. Actually, probably more effectively. By December 25th, they had killed Castor and Pollux, the um, elephants, for their meat. I note wow. that there is, in fact, a quote regarding the dishes. Really? Yes. At the bottom of the article. Why don't you take that away? By all <laughs> accounts, elephant was not tasty. It's my favorite Wikipedia sentence. Yeah. Thomas Gibson Bowles. By, by all accounts. By all accounts. This is not disputed. Everyone hated the hated elephant. It. Thomas Gibson Bowles, who was in Paris during the siege, wrote that he had eaten camel, antelope, dog, donkey, mule, and elephant. 
And of those, he liked Elephant the least. Which, does that surprise either of you? Honestly. Yes, actually. What, don- what is, donkey and mule don't sound great to me. They're at least, like, horse adjacent. I Horse does not sound great horse, to me. Yeah, you're not exactly selling horse. <laughs> the three of us have eaten horse, in all likelihood. It, sadly, it's very possible that while we were in England, there was a scandal where Sainsbury's was selling horse meat as beef. So, if we bought beef from Sainsbury's, it's very possible we had horse. Now, I would be open to knowingly eating horse. I'm which, not actively <laughs> seeking it out. I believe traditional winner, menus, uh, traditional preparations of asobuco call for horse. Which zoo animal would you least like to eat, Lol? Least like least. to eat? Here's my thing. God. Elephant seems, and I know this isn't totally correct, but lizard-like. Well, my thing with elephants is that it looks meaty. Like, it looks fatty and delicious. But it, I feel like it looks like there's good meat on them bones. To be Do honest, elephants have bones. Yes. Where uh, <laughs> I say a gazelle or antelope looks a little more lean, and I would figure this probably not. You know, it, but those, I, those yeah, gamey. Those and, are deer adjacent. And, but, deer. but elephants do seem more like cows than most of these other. That's uh, what I'm animals. saying. What they got? They got feet. That's your qualifier? <laughs> they're even-toed ungulates. But they're, they're, they're large animals. Although, I, I, I don't know what their you fat could fit like is. three cows in an elephant. Exactly. They're, they're like, okay, so in a way they are super cows. They're like, that's my thought. Also, they, I would think that they might be like super right, cows. and they have artillery with the tusks. Now, wait a minute, now wait a minute, we're not answering the question. Lol. Yes. What zoo least. animal would you least like? You have to eat everything else before you eat this one. Oh. You do have to eat everything else. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, that's I would probably eat, not eat the monkey. Interesting. I, okay. I just. Yeah. For similar reasons. to what they gave it, it is. They did know they were too human like. Yeah, right? it's it, it does feel too human like. But oh, no. I, I would also have trouble eating the wolf. I would have trouble eating the lion, the tiger. I, I'd eat the bear. I would I'd eat love to say I ate lion. <laughs> no. I I chow down on the king of the jungle. I'm not interested. Uh, bat? Yeah, no, bat sounds awful. Yeah, gonna throw bat out there? Yeah, bat doesn't bat? sound... What about... I don't what, know if... Would we count tarantula as a zoological animal? Have you been to a zoo feet a tarantula? Yes, I have. Yeah, okay. no, I've Many seen tarantulas like, like but honestly, Actually, but in, I guess people do eat yeah, tarantula. Yeah, that's, that's more, more of a, a norm. I don't think penguins look good. I won't think, I wouldn't expect there to be good meat on a penguin. I don't know. They're birds, and They're, birds are delicious. Yeah, birds are delicious. They are good, though. I don't want to think about eating a penguin it's, as being a positive. It's just a cold chicken. It's, it's a cold chicken. That's a good point. It, it, it is, it is an icy, slimy chicken. from penguins? Yeah. I mean, I don't. I think it would be an Antarctica roll. Now, I am going to share something. I've been looking for this because I knew it was around. Why don't you go right on back to the show notes and click on the article that I have just uh, given you. Uh, and recall that they could not afford, no one could afford to buy the hippo for its meat. Yeah. Uh, so the article that I have sent is from the Scientific American, though I believe I encountered it on an NPR podcast uh, mm. some years ago. The uh, Hunger Game Meat, How Hippos Nearly Invaded American Cuisine. Don't have a cow, but at one point in history, it could have been that Americans weren't having cows at all. Had the country's cuisine gone on a different tra- trajectory, Americans may have all been eating hippo meat instead. That doesn't seem sustainable to me. Like, at the rate that we eat. I think that from my knowledge of, and this is going to sound like it's it's veering off course in a strange way, from my knowledge of Pablo Escobar's hippos. Yes. Um, who, who have been featured on this show before. They, they are incredibly invasive. And that was actually, frankly, part of the thoughts. It was a uh, the mid or late 1800s in Louisiana. They're trying to find a way to bring money back to the state. And the predominant reigning theory at the time was, hey, let's... Uh, hippos seem uh, very well adapted to uh, marshy climates. Louisiana's a marsh. Yeah. Let's bring in this new American food staple. All right. That's very um, interesting. I'm going to assume that somewhere they eat hippo, right? Oh, yes. And here it is. Uh, so uh, there was a bill, in fact, introduced to Congress. Uh, uh, bill H.R. 232261 which sought the appropriation of $250,000 to import useful animals, pretty much only hippos, to the United States. It was touted, its taste was touted in an editorial in the New York Times as Lake, Lake Cow, Cow Bacon, Bacon. Oh, no. which is my punk rock name, <laughs> and you can't take that one now, folks. Lake Cow Bacon. 
Now, I do want to round out the Castor and Pollock Wikipedia page by having Lowell read the quote at the bottom. Yesterday, I had a slice of Pollock's for dinner. Pollock's and his brother Castor are two elephants which have been killed. It was tough, coarse, and oily. I do not recommend English families to eat elephant as long as they can get beef or mutton. Yeah, so that's pretty much uh, yeah. the interesting bits of the Siege of Paris and Castor and Pollux, the it, elephants. It, it is interesting to me what we socially feel is a, an acceptable thing to eat versus unacceptable. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it does gross me out to think about eating 80% of those animals that they listen. Yeah, I've never had dog and like I, I know never will. I know it's totally acceptable like throughout the world. Um, yeah. And I, I, I just can't. Yeah, I can't. What about lynx? No. I think, yeah. I have no, I have no I, I, attachment to it. For some lynx. reason, cat-like creatures just doesn't, doesn't appeal to me. What about wolf? Definitely not. I feel like I could eat wolf. I could what? also eat wolf. Yeah. You guys are monsters. What zoo animal would you most like to eat? Yeah, see now, I'm glad we got around to this question. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty clear to me. I would say that uh, I would go with peacock or whale. No, not whale. <laughs> oh, I zoo, not whale. aquarium. That's mm. fair. Okay, okay. It's a water zoo. It's a water zoo. It is a water zoo. Yeah. I'd love me some parrot to kind of stay on that bird train. Birds are okay. good. Yeah, birds okay. are tasty. I'm going to stay on that. Well... I'm probably going to stay on that bird train, but are we talking any zoo throughout history? No. Or mm, just no, current zoos? What? No, I'd like to entertain this line of questioning. What, what, to, to what are you referring? Human. <laughs> I knew we were going there. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, God. Well, with yeah, that. Yeah, I got to go with lion. We, uh, okay. Well, with that, uh, I think that we've uh, uh, finished up. Uh, what was the original article? The, the, the Siege, Siege of Paris. Of Paris yeah. Parenthesis 1870 uh, to 1871. And Close so, uh, are you guys ready for one last article? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, whenever you're ready, Aiden. Is it May? Uh, open it, yeah. Okay. Read cool. it. Horse herpes outbreak forces <laughs> rodeo queens to ride stick ponies. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Well, uh, that is our show. And uh, David, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh, so uh, thank you all for listening at home and uh, good night and good fucks. Good night and good fucks. See you on the podcasts. Charles Osgood.